0: All right, everybody. Um, We've had kind of an interesting week at Cornerstone, so thanks for all your prayers if you're on the prayer list. Um, Randy Pospichil was scheduled to preach this morning, uh, but he needed to take the Sunday off because his son Atticus was in intensive care um, all week. And so uh, Gary Hubler has actually agreed to uh, preach uh, for us this morning on short notice. Um, So if you... uh, don't know Gary. He's actually been attending here for uh, several months now. He's been a pastor uh, for over thirty years. Most recently, he was at New Covenant, uh, primarily doing um, music ministry, um, but uh, he does have um, teaching um, experience from the pulpit as well. And so, um, thanks, Gary, for preaching this morning, um, and I just look forward to hearing uh, you from the Word. And I'll just turn it over to you. Thank you, Alex. Thank you to Cornerstone um, for being such an incredible place for my family to land in these few months that we've been with you. It's been a joy to get to know many of you, and as we've talked in the hallways and out in the entryway and between uh, events and things like that, um, we've gotten to know each other. And it's been a a wonderful place to see uh, God working among this body of believers and um, being a part of that. Um, this morning, I, I must admit, I feel woefully out of practice, um, uh, a bit between things and just searching for God's plan for us. And, um, again, you've been helping with all that. Pastor Matt has been wonderful, loving on us and, um, helping us process all these things. And so, um, more than a message, I want to share God's story this morning with you. Just a small part. happens to be part of my story, too, something God brought my direction that I would never have chosen, and yet I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he brought it my direction to teach me of himself. And so I want to share that this morning in the hopes that God will use that in your life as well. And, um... Teach us all something of our level of trust um, in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of your son who makes life complete, paved a way for us to become part of your family, to call you our father. Thank you for guiding us and directing us, teaching us, making us more and more like your Son. So this morning, bless, Lord, please, the telling of your story, that we might grow in you and become more and more like you. For we ask it in the precious and powerful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. I feel a rumble for it. Tony's working with a new voice, so that always changes everything. The phone call came at 10.20 p.m. I don't know about you, but when a phone call comes after 10 o'clock, the minute you hear it, your mind starts wondering, right? What's what's going on? What's happening here? When I answered, it was what we call our center son, Preston. Um, He's down in Georgia. And his time was 11.20 p.m., which immediately when I heard his voice, that raised another flag. The first words out of his mouth were, Dad, I'm okay. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's not getting better. I'm glad, son. What's up? And then he started sharing. I've just been in an accident, car accident, driving back home. From Abby, Abby was within the next week going to become his fiance, and um, he was over at a place where she lived with other gals. And then he was driving back, pulled out onto this street, and as he pulled out, about half a block down, looked in the rearview mirror and noticed there was this truck coming at him rather quickly, and the truck was not able to stop. Um, it was a uh, large pickup truck. And Preston drove at that point a Honda Civic. And um, the truck hit him from behind, rolled up onto the trunk and off the side of the car, spun around, and then crashed on the other side. Preston's car was pushed up on the side. All these details were coming um, at me as Preston was sharing and Heard sirens coming up behind and asking with that, and all all of, all of this detail that Preston was sharing with me over the phone was interrupted with these periods of just I don't know, just sobbing. And um, as a dad, it became very apparent to me that this wasn't a fender bender this was something much larger. And, um, so I just kept drawing him out and would wait patiently in the times where he was just sobbing. I would say something like, it's okay, Preston, just let it out. I'm here still. And then there were a couple times where he needed to leave the phone would hang up and said, I'll call you right back. And, um, sure enough he would within the next couple moments. And, um, and we would continue our conversation. I'm feeling something at this point that um, I wish I say I hadn't, but but I did. <laughs> um, I can take a lot of things myself. Life sometimes has its little curves, you know, and. And when I'm in the driver's seat with my own life and things like that, I can, I can find ways. I, I process things, stepwise motion. So if there's something that needs to be accomplished, I can come up rather quickly with five steps that will get me there. And, um, and I'm very comfortable with that existence. Well, God was about to stretch me because now he was messing with my kids. And I didn't like that. This was not comfortable. This wasn't my plan certainly wasn't Preston's either. God, what are you up to here? What's going on? Amidst of this, and maybe this is an hour later, hour and a half, the words that really struck at me came out of Preston's mouth. Dad, I don't think the other driver is going to make it. So now there's a weight of Life and death, responsibility, blame. All these things start racing through your mind uh, when you hear something like that. And um, it's, uh, what do you mean? What makes you think the other driver's not going to make it? Well, the, the, the trucks are here. There was a fire. Okay, all right, well, tell, tell me about it. Let's keep talking, okay? And he would share more and more of the detail. Sure enough, the policeman came up to Preston and shared with him, this is about an hour and a half now, maybe into the ordeal, that the other driver did perish in the crash. And, um, okay, let's keep talking. And um, it just keeps rolling out. I, I, I can't even recall, even come close to recalling all the details of of our conversation. But it was well over two hours while everything was being wrapped up. And then, then the time came where um, they kind of had things back to the normal. And uh, they needed to take Preston to the hospital to do a blood draw, uh, part of the investigation. And... We said, we thought, good night for the night. Hung up and, of course, Patsy, my wife, is sitting right next to me during all this. Um, This is now somewhere around 2 a.m. And um, I did a quick search on the computer and there was a seat left on a direct flight from Cedar Rapids, Iowa to Atlanta, Georgia. I'm staring at that. And Patsy said, you want to go down there, don't you? <laughs> yes, I do, but I can't just show up. So I called Preston back. And um, how you doing? How to go at the hospital? They were at Mc- an all-night McDonald's uh, getting a bite to eat. Abby had joined him at that point. And um, they were just waiting for the the time uh, to pass and kind of settle down just a bit and um, so I asked the question Preston would it be a good thing for you if I came down and spent some time with you and processed this all with you he said dad really would you do that (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) would I do that what a question of course I would. If you think that would be something good, I would love to come down and spend a few days with you. And we'll just process this together. I would love that, Dad. So, a sleepless night, except on the plane flight, the guy next to me nudged me a couple of times. I think I started snoring or something. Um, and um, I was on his doorstep by 11.15 that, that morning. And uh, we hugged for a good long time. And then we started walking these three days together. There are a couple defining moments in this that I want to share with you that God taught me things long-term. And then I want to go to his word and show how this has been his plan all along. Life is going to throw us some curves. This world is not a perfect place. And yet God has a plan in all of it because he is over all of it. And he's looking to teach us things. Things that will make us more and more like his son Jesus Christ. And so Tuesday afternoon we're talking and by this time there's a couple articles and um, we're reading one of them and we find out that the gentleman who perished in in the crash... Um, had a wife and three preschool sons. And we both sat there just kind of like that. And I asked an incredibly profound question, how does that make you feel, Preston? And that started this conversation. Something like, Dad, I have no idea how I'm feeling right now. But you've always taught me to look for God in everything. So, Dad, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look for God. He's here somewhere. I'm just having a hard time seeing him right now. My own words coming back at me. I hadn't thought those words yet. I was just thinking about my son and how I wish I could have been there and somehow prevented that accident, which is incredibly Outside the realm of possibility. I couldn't be there. I couldn't be there. But my son now was coming back to me and saying, we're going to watch for God here because he's somewhere. And even though we can't see him in a moment like this, we're going to trust that we're going to see him at some point. There were many God sightings in this process. One of them came the very next day. It was time to... um, Go down to the police station and have Preston give his statement, um, a recollection of the events. And um, we sat down together. um, The policeman invited me in. I said, Do you want me in or should I wait outside? No, no, it's fine for you to come on in. I'd love to have you be a part of this if you're here. And so I sat down next to Preston. And the policeman started with Saturday. This was a Monday evening that the accident occurred. He started with Saturday and started walking, pressing through everything that he had done leading up to Monday evening. And um, there were many times I, I was getting a lot of detail now that I didn't have before this point in time of what actually happened that evening. Officer Geiger was incredibly wonderful with my son. I sat there amazed at the things that he was drawing out of him and processing with him. At one point in the conversation, Preston was sharing that as he was getting out of his car, the driver's side door was crimped from the truck going over that side of the car. He couldn't get it open, so I had to crawl through to the other side to get out the passenger door because that's the one that would work. And as I'm doing that, I'm calling 911 and explaining what was going on. And when I got out to the front of that, the 911 dispatcher was telling me, if there's a fire, you keep everybody back. Don't let anybody go up to that truck if there's a fire. And he looked up at Officer Guy and he said, that's what she told me I needed to do. I'm I'm sitting there and I'm, whoa. Officer Geiger, he sat down his pen and he sat sat back in his chair and he said, well, let's pause here for a second, Preston. You need to know that if that truck was on fire, you did exactly what you needed to do. Because if those people would have run up to that truck and it would have exploded or something, we'd have a whole different thing going on here than we do now. You did exactly what you needed to do. Do you hear me, Preston? You're holding on to something there that you need to let go of. You did exactly what you needed to do. And I saw my son's shoulders Relax. Because, you see, even in that moment, I knew that if I I could tell Preston that till I was blue in the face, and it wouldn't have made near the difference as a police officer who saw this and knew the circumstances, told him to let go of that. You did what was right. Let go of whatever you're holding on to. That was a God sighting. Uh, Just as a side, a year later, I called Officer Geiger and um, I thanked him for that moment. I said, This is Gary Hubler. I don't know if you remember me. And he broke in, You're Preston's dad. A year later, he still remembered talking to us. And I thanked him for that. And he, he said, Mr. Hubler, you have made my day. I never get phone calls like this. What a shame. God's instrument <laughs> from a voice of authority and I just want to say thank you and he was ministered to as a result of that I saw God in that moment there were many such, many such moments but you can, you can gather the gravity of what's going on here and while I know many times what the world throws our direction it doesn't get all tied up in a neat bow like this story eventually did. It took about two or three months. But the police report came back and, and um, there was no fault on Preston's part whatsoever. He was totally uh, let go of all responsibility. And, um, and we've worked on. But what those, those three days did to our relationship with each other and with God is incredibly profound. And that's what I want to focus on. The reality of life... Strikes us unexpectedly. And many times when we're in the middle of it, it's very difficult, maybe even impossible, for us to see what God is doing. But it's important that based on his word, we trust him in the midst of that. And that's what my son called me to do in the midst of that. It was a couple of weeks after um, I got back home that God started drilling down on this and he came maybe you've had the same experience it wasn't an audible voice but it just as well could have been alright Gary are you trusting me with your kids now my theology if you would have asked me that a month earlier and I would have been totally truthful in telling you yes I trust God with my kids but God was gonna dig a little deeper and I found that I wasn't really trusting him totally with my kids. See, he was there. And I have no doubt in my mind that he walked, Preston walked away from that accident with not a scratch on him because God was there. And God stood in the way when I couldn't and protected him. And yet in the midst of all that, what we were feeling, the emotion of it all, was wreaking havoc with us, okay? Where was the grounding here? What are you doing, God? What do you want me to learn? Well, Gary, are you trusting me with your kids? The passage I'd like to go to is um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If you'd like to turn there, it'll be up on the screen as well. This is probably two of the most well-known verses in the book of Proverbs, um, that last chapter about the the wonderful wife, the wonderful woman is probably right there too, one that we hear a lot of around Mother's Day. Uh, but this is probably the next passage or right there with it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. I want to unpack this a little bit Based on what I've learned through my experience in living life, in this case with with Preston, my son, trust in the Lord. The word trust there is a verb, it's an action. It's not something, it's an action. Trust in the Lord to be confident in, to feel safe in, and act in that way. Trust in the Lord. The one true God, the God of Israel, as he's described. The one true God, the Holy One. In a moment, we're going to look. The sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel. This is the God that we put our trust in. The God who has called us to be a part of his family. And those of us that have re- responded in faith now become part of his family. And we're called his children. And he is our father. And he invests in us. And he grows us up to be the people of God, the people that he desires us to be. This very active trust. It's it's hard to know what trust looks like because sometimes uh, the circumstances can change a little bit and it can look a little different. But the object of the trust does not change. And the absoluteness of his truth does not change. This is our hope and this is our confidence that God is totally in control and we trust in him. A verse that has helped me learn what trust looks like is a couple books later in the book of Isaiah. If you want to turn there really quickly, it's up on the screen as well. Isaiah 30, 15. We're talking about a woe to the obstinate nation. Now, Isaiah, Isaiah didn't have a popular message in his day. He was predicting or prophesying or telling the Israelites the truth of their uh, being taken off to Babylon in exile. Not a very popular message of the day. They had blown it. And in this particular chapter of Isaiah, the little, you know, the, the little synopsis or the titles that they put on it, it uh, says, Woe to the obstinate nation. Guess who the obstinate nation is? Israel. Okay, so this is a woe to Israel. And right in the middle of this woe, God's judgment is coming upon you. Is this light of truth that we can grab onto? Verse 15 says, This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Now, when you begin with a statement like that, knowing God the way the Israelites did and the way that we do, it gets our attention because it tells us not only who he is, but what he is like. He is the sovereign Lord. He is over it all, totally in control of everything. Nothing happens on this earth that doesn't pass through his hands. He is the sovereign Lord. He is also the Holy One of Israel. He is set apart. He is different than the world that we live in. The world is fallen. He is not. And so his ways stand in stark contrast to what the world says. So get ready. What he's going to share with us is not going to look like the world at all. And yet he's saying this is the way it needs to be. You want to trust in me? This is what it involves. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Think about those four words. Repentance, rest, Quietness and trust. Does that sound like our world? If you want to be strong, are you quiet and trusting? Or are you climbing and clawing? The world climbs and claws. But God's people, quiet and trusting. It's still an active verb, trusting, trusting. But we're listening, aren't we? Repentance and rest. We're turning to God and placing the full weight of who we are upon him. Pats and I looked just a little bit. There's way more pictures than we can find. And this picture comes from not the digital age. So it's not on some hard drive somewhere. It's in a box somewhere. But we have a picture of each of our sons and me where I'm sitting in grandma's rocking chair. Leaning back. And my son is laying on my chest with a leg on each side and an arm on each side, totally asleep. That's rest. See, when God asks us to rest in him, it means we're placing the total weight of who we are on him. And he carries us. He carries us doesn't mean things stop happening. It means he's carrying us in the midst of things happening. We're turning to him and we're placing the full weight of who we are on him. And then in quietness and trust, which is our strength, we are listening to him and then following what he says. We're not blazing our own trail. We're blazing his trail. This is a life of trust, repentance and rest, quietness and trust. This is who we confidently place and how it looks when we confidently place our trust in our Lord. Back to Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Our heart is the core of who we are, it's the center of our reason, our mind our emotion and our will it's where these three elements of those things that that we have control over they all join at the core of who we are and we call it our heart with all of our love the lord your god with all of your heart right with all those things that are joined together right here in the center in the core of who we are trust in the lord With all of your heart, all that you are, and lean not on your own understanding. You need to understand that I'm a planner. I love to have a plan. And I love working the plan. And to be real honest with you, I don't really mind too much changing the plan as long as it's part of the plan. This is where I'm most comfortable that night, that December, was not in the plan. And it was not fitting in my plan. There was no way, no way, that this could possibly be what God wanted. What in the world are you doing? But see, that's what happens when I'm leaning on my own understanding. Some things don't fit. And yet to a sovereign God who's totally in control of everything, it always fits. Just means I've got something that, you know, when God chooses to work on something in my life, I don't know about you, but it rarely feels good, right? If he's going to drill down on something, there's discomfort, isn't there? We're kind of squirming a little bit, trying to understand what, what he, and then he takes us deeper and reassures us and shows us a new level of whatever it is that we're learning. In that process, he is making us to be a person more like his son who was obedient and experienced death for us. This is what God is after. And that's why it doesn't feel so good when he's drilling down on something. But we must not lean, I must not lean on my own understanding the way that I think it should be. Because I'm just gonna stay comfortable, let's face it. I like comfort, I enjoy it. It feels best to me. So I'll just stay there. And God knows that that doesn't serve his purpose. So we must not lean on our own understanding. We have to seek to know and understand through his eyes and see it as he does. In all your ways, in all your ways, in all your ways, nothing is outside the box. In all your ways. Whatever happens... Whatever comes your direction, Gary, whether it fits or not, according to your eyes, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. There's a sense in this, in this directive, there's an assurance underneath it that he is present, right? Because without him, it won't make sense. Only with a sovereign God... The Holy One, will it ever make sense because he's above it all and he knows what he's after and he knows what's necessary to take us to that place. We're assured of his total presence and we look for the God moments when he crosses our path and we see his work and we rejoice in that. We even praise him verbally. Let everyone around you know that that's a God moment that you saw the God that you serve in that moment. That's a great joy and a wonderful opportunity to live a life of worship out there in this world so that others can see this incredible work. And I remember seeing that right away by God's touch, not my own, when Officer Geiger said, Preston, you need to let it go. You're holding on to something there that you must not hold on to. Let it go. That was God ministering to my son through officer Geiger praise his name God did something I could have never done I would have never reached that point of having that voice of authority in that circumstance with Preston the way that officer Geiger had with Preston and it released him God provided I praise him for that In all your ways, acknowledge him. When you see God come across your path, praise him for what he has done. And the verses end with, and he will make your way straight. On the surface, I think a straight road, wow, that sounds like that would be pretty good. But you know, I've been on straight roads before and they have potholes too. We're in that season, right, where all of a sudden, with all this rain and everything, after the winter and everything, we're, we're patching up potholes everywhere, okay? The idea here of a straight road or a straight way is not that it's all going to be easy and fun and to our liking. The word straight has at its core of its meaning to be right and to be what is best to be right and to be what is best. Now remember, we're not talking about my or our economy here. We're not talking about our insight. We're talking about God's insight. According to God and what he's trying to accomplish, it's going to be right and it's going to be what is best. There were many moments in this process of really wrestling with God. And I'll even, there were there were several moments that I was just downright angry with God. What in the world were you thinking when you took, took him down to Georgia? Did you have this in mind? How could that be? I would have rather you left him back here. How tragic that would be. I had a, A dear friend, (laughs) sitting right here in the third row, (laughs) um, challenged me one day. Gary, what if God's teaching him something that he's going to need to know? Do you want to stand in the way of that? You see, from the many miles away in those three days with him, I'm just working to ease the pain. I'm just looking to take it away. I, I want to fix it all. That's another one of my characteristics. I love fixing things. That was my heart. I want to take away as much of the discomfort as I possibly could. But what if God was taking him deeper too? And at some point in time, he's going to need to know this to be assured that God's always with him. God's plans are always best. God's plans are always right. Dig deep with him. It stopped me dead in my tracks, and once again, was I trusting God with my kids? I wish I could tell you that, um, yeah, I figured all this out, I'm better at it now. (laughs) Maybe I'm slightly better. But I have a feeling that I've got more to learn too. And yet this is our goal. This is the assurance that we have as his family. And we live in this assurance. That he is always with us. There's nothing that crosses our path that doesn't first pass through his hands. And everything is purposeful. He doesn't waste a thing. He uses it all to change us to be more like his incredible and perfect son, Jesus Christ. This is his goal. This is his goal. So trust in him with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your way or your path straight this is a calling to live this way I like to put it in my own life I like to be a 24 7 worshiper when I live this way I am worshiping and declaring the worth of the incredible God who called me to be his own. And that's what I want my life to be. And yet when it doesn't fit my plan, when it doesn't fit my picture, I tend to shy away, I back off, rather than engage it and embrace it and see what God has for me. So this is what I trust as I've taken away these lessons. It's brought clarity to me, so hopefully as I continue to live in this world and things continue to happen, I can be better at pursuing my incredible God in the midst of this in a way that brings him glory, honor, and praise. First of all, I want to know in the inner core of who I am, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God is with me and with, in this case, Preston. All at the same time. That's hard to grab onto, okay? This is not how we are able to. Now, I can call him. I can talk to him on the phone. He's in Europe right now, and um, we can WhatsApp back and forth, even within just a couple of minutes, share a few encouraging words. But, but it's beyond me to, to be able to comprehend what it means to be totally with me and totally with him in Europe, both at the same time. And this is true of everyone in the world. God is spirit. He's not limited by time or space. He is everywhere all the time in control of all of it at the same time. In the core of who I am, I want to know that. I want to believe that and I want to live as that is true. Secondly, I want to watch for the God moments. When his work crosses my path, I want to recognize his work. And I want to, in the words of our passage, acknowledge him in the midst. Give him credit. Praise him. Worship him for that interaction. Thank you, God, for that encouragement along the way. I mean, I can take the next step now because I know you've reassured me that you are here with me. Thank you for that. And then, thirdly, I want to embrace the process. My first reaction, I pushed away, right? I'm going to do everything I can to fix this instead of embracing what God wants to do in me and in Preston and in whoever else God is working in at this moment in time. I want to embrace the process. I also want to embrace the resources that he provides. His word and the encouragement it can be. His family, and I've seen this already here at Cornerstone, as we've tracked with the hospitals. right? Praise the Lord, they're home. Wow, that's been a journey, right? And it's not over, but we see that as great progress, that at least they're home now. Things are getting better, and we pray that in the next few days, God will wrap this all up. And it'll be great to hear long-term what God does through this experience in and through them for his honor and his glory. His family, as we've supported each other, as we've prayed for each other, as we've communicated and encouraged one another. This is an incredible resource that he has given us for challenging times because we're not alone. He is with us. His family is with us as well. God's promise in the midst of this is that he will give us a peace, a peace that's beyond our understanding. Philippians chapter 4. A peace that we don't even understand why it's there, and yet there it is. God provides it, and we're trusting in the God that we serve. So I want to know that he's always with me. I want to watch for him as he crosses my path and does things that only he can do. And then I want to embrace that process and learn the lessons that he has for me. All of this with keeping the goal in mind. And maybe this is the hardest one because while I will readily agree that it's what I want, when I look at the example Christ set, it's not going to be easy. The goal God has in mind for all of life is twofold His glory and our Christ likeness. He's not so interested in making us happy. There certainly are happy moments, right? That are very joyful. But His goal is for us to become more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ, Philippians 2 who didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to, but gave it all up so that he could come down to earth and he took on the form of a servant, even to the point of death. And therefore, God exalted him. God's glory. God received the glory for what Christ accomplished on our behalf. This is life. I can tell you that... It's a great way to live. I'm sure, you know, if we were to go around this room, some of you are struggling with things that aren't wrapped up quite so tidily. God didn't stop with Preston's story in my life either. Um, About a couple months after we received the police report and it just seemed like all that was over, God came again and he asked, so Gary, are you trusting me with where I have you? And many of you know our circle work just kind of in a, okay, God, what's next? It's not a real comfortable place, but we're doing our very best to embrace the process, learn along the way, trusting him because he's the one that has the answer. We just want to serve him and see him honored and glorified in this world, that people would see him, not us, would see him. So that's my encouragement to you. It's difficult. It's not easy. But when we embrace what God is doing, it becomes incredibly purposeful. And in those moments of growth, God comes in and and holds us ever tighter, and we're assured that he is with us. And there's nothing better than that. um, I've had moments that I've uh, tried to express my... Trust even in my sons. And I've shared with them, um, maybe even as we're driving down the road, and I've taken road trips now with all three of my sons. And the time came for them to drive, and I always try not to be a back seat driver or a passenger seat driver, whichever the case may be. And I've shared with them um, if I fall asleep, I want you to know there's no greater compliment I can give your driving. (laughs) than in that moment. And I can tell you that I've fallen asleep with every one of my sons driving now. Okay? So it's, it's, a, it's a comfortable place to be when it's God that's in control. This is the assurance that we have. I trust, you know, I, these, um, these passages of Scripture, I don't, I don't know if it's you, but it's gotten more challenging to memorize. And... Um, Again, Proverbs 3, 4, uh, 3, 5, and 6 are more familiar. Maybe Isaiah thirty fifteen. 15. It's not one that I knew of until I came across it in my daily Bible reading and God brought it to my attention. But if you can't, if you can't bring this up, just remember the sovereign one of Israel, the holy one, the sovereign Lord and the holy one of Israel, repentance, rest, quietness, and trust. Those are the characteristics of his people. That is who, that is what he wants our life to look like. So let's endeavor to do that, all to his honor and glory. And uh, let's live with one another, supporting each other, and be that brightness, okay? That godly influence, so that we can be more and more like Jesus Christ, all to his honor and his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. There is no greater gift than to know you are with us. But you didn't stop there. <laughs> you, you went on and you provided a way that we're not only with you, but we are called your children. Thank you for the blessing of that. Help us to grow in you, that we might be your people, that our lives might be a testimony to your grace and your truth that people might see the difference that you make and ask, what makes you different from this world? And that gives us the opportunity to sing your praises, to tell them all about the God who loves us to such an extent, desires us to grow, desires to grow us into someone that would bring him glory and praise. Lord, be a blessing this week. Help us to see your work and embrace your work all to your honor and your glory. For again, it's in the precious and powerful name of our Savior, Jesus, that we ask it. Amen.